if I'm going to get you to a million dollars and beyond and 10% of our clients are at a million, they're all way beyond that. So you are at a block. You're going to hire me and pay me good money. And you're not going to let me be intrusive. We need to get this problem solved together. So you better be telling me everything you know and everything you don't know. This is what this is about is the data. And then the last thing I'll say about the data, Darnielle, is to your point, exactly. We did this. It's actually very non-well put together study that was kind of off the cuff. Okay. But I was actually in Sundance a few years ago and we were doing a keynote. We were doing an opening keynote. And I remember looking at how different speakers were being received. I thought, you know, I'm going to actually dive into this. And I did. I just created a very, very quick three, literally three question survey, really trying to get to one answer. Okay. And the question is, these executives are all making over $500,000 a year. You're listening to the Move to Millions podcast with Dr. Darnielle J. Harmon. If you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company, cash flow and connection to and beyond the million-dollar mark, let's get this party started. This episode is powered by Positioned for Millions, my private advanced training that breaks down the framework my clients and I use to lay the foundation for the first seven-figure year. Learn more and apply today at workwithdarnielle.com. In today's episode, I have such an amazing treat for you. Let me just first give a quick shout out to the creators of Clubhouse. Because of this powerful application, I have met so many amazing powerhouses. And today's guest Stephanie Malik is one of those powerhouses. This woman is bad to the bone. She's phenomenal. You'll see in just a few moments once we jump into our interview. Let me just take a quick moment and read her bio. Fresh off the hills of a 25-year-plus successful career in which she was an award-winning CEO of a global consulting firm for over a decade, a serial entrepreneur that spearheaded multiple million-dollar acquisitions and mergers while working with more than 11 startups globally and a business transformation and crisis specialist, Stephanie Malik formed Smalik Enterprises with one single goal in mind, to help others and promote change through her proven strategies and methodologies. Listen, her bio is so stinking impressive. Her story will make you both grab tissues and scream yeah at the top of your lungs as you hear how she overcame adverse situation after adverse situation after adverse situation. In our conversation, we talk a lot about crisis, crisis management, data, and how the data in your crisis is what you need in order to finally get to the other side. Listen, your life is about to be changed. If you have a desire to take your business to and beyond the million dollar mark, you have some blind spots that being able to listen into this conversation that I had with Stephanie are surely going to resolve for you. Grab your pen and a piece of paper and let's jump into my conversation with Stephanie Malik. Welcome to the Move to Millions podcast, Stephanie. I'm so excited that you are here. How are you today? I'm doing amazing and thank you so much for having me. Oh, I just know this is gonna be such a great conversation. Do everyone a quick favor and just tell everybody who you are in your own words. Sure, absolutely. So I'm Stephanie Malik. I run a company called S. Malik Enterprises. We focus on human consulting, so everything from business consulting, business strategy, to executive or high-performance coaching, as well as crisis expertise, crisis management. I am a mother of four and a wife and an avid traveler and foodie. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So 
But I remember when I first met you, shout out to Clubhouse. Like we were getting so many amazing relationships being built because of Clubhouse and our first conversation. And you just blew my mind after blowing my mind and then blowing my mind again. And then whatever was left over of my mind, you blew it the next time. So I was really excited to just kind of bring you in and just have a conversation about your journey, some of the things that you've seen. I love, you know, as you were introducing yourself, you said human consulting. I love that first and foremost, because I think recognizing that the common thread, right? The common denominator, the only competitive advantage any company is going to have are the humans that they have sitting in their seat. And then making sure that they are well prepared to perform at a level that's going to take the company where it needs to go. But I think even more than that, I love the crisis management work that you do because I feel like, you know, people who watched Scandal all those years ago was (laughs) when it was on TV think that that's what crisis management is and what it looks like, right? But I feel like there's so much more and so many smaller things that can create the crises that have the potential to mar a brand or to mess with the business's livelihood to literally kill their quarter launch, right? At the time of this recording, it's the end of a quarter. And there are things that can happen inside of a business within minutes that can derail all of that. So I would love for you to just share a little bit about When you say crisis, what that means, and I really want to kind of talk through, you know, when a business owner is, as they're making the move to millions, they've got their eyes set on that. What are the things that could threaten to derail them from getting to the million dollar mark that happened inside of their businesses? Some blind spots that they might not even know to look for that we could help them kind of, you know, thin out today. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, you equally blew my mind on Clubhouse. I think you were my second conversation and I have to be super honest and transparent. I was very blown away. I clearly was not in the right rooms. I didn't have any idea how to navigate the right rooms. I was so overwhelmed. And my daughter actually said, oh, mom, you have to listen to this woman. She literally sounds like you. She's kind of no BS. She's right to the point. She's like, I just really, really enjoy her. And I remember literally turning this on and hearing you speak. And I was like, everything, I was like, yes, oh, yes, yes. And every single thing that you were saying, it was so real and so genuine and so honest. And even when you had to kind of deliver bad news or you had to kind of say, you know, hey, gosh, maybe not a key differentiator, just the eloquent way and the kindness in, hey, let me redirect you, or maybe we should look at pivoting. It was always from a we standpoint. You never were like, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. It was more like, have you thought of, or maybe we should. And I just remember people lighting up after they spoke to you. And I was just like, oh my gosh, whatever I can do to actually help you or support you or be a part of, I just was so connected to you. So I really want to tell you, you know, thank you for everything that you're doing for all of those new entrepreneurs or all of those people that truly, truly don't, that want to level up and actually don't maybe know how to just the support and authenticity that you bring is amazing. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I I receive all of it. I'm excited and blessed for the people we get to work with today that have, you know, they've made it as far as they can on their own and they know that they should be at the million dollar mark. So it brings me joy to serve them. Yeah. So do you need me to reframe the question? I want to talk about like crisis. Yeah, go ahead. What are the, some of the crisis blind spots that can come up inside of a business that can derail their move to and beyond the million dollar mark? I know, you know, you've taken multiple companies to and beyond the million dollar mark. You're helping your clients 
build and sustain businesses at that level. So I know you've been there, done that, gotten some t-shirts, and you've also seen a lot of really, really powerful blind spots that can begin to be some of those success clues for those who are currently listening in right now. Right. So Danielle, I think you already know this. I see things very, very differently. So when you talk about exposure and you talk about, you talk about what are some of the things I always start with everything, 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 everything. And that always starts with your mindset and your attitude. You will be the first one to derail your business or your company. It will all be you. People will look at you. If if it's just you, if you have a team of one, if you have a team of 200, people are looking at you as what do we do? You're the vision, you're the leader, you're the messenger. You're messaging your business. So let me tell you a few of the things. And then if you want to dive into one of them, if you want to dive into all of them, however you want to do it is completely fine. Number one is attitude. By far and away, attitude. And when I say attitude, I really mean really, truly attitude. How do you get up? What is your routine? Who are you when you get up? Are you positive? Are you negative? Are you constantly taking in other people's energy? What does that look like whenever you're messaging, taking your company to the next level? So along with attitude comes mindset. How are you setting yourself up every single day to have a great mindset? Again, how are you taking on new knowledge? And then the third thing is, is thinking way too small. And truthfully, Darnielle, this is the number one thing that derails a business from, you know, fledgling business to, you know, possible IPO, it's thinking small, not thinking about the next service or the next product, not thinking about the next line of business. So the next line of revenue or the next geography. And conversely, Darnielle, when we're talking about this, thinking way, way too big. So spreading your time literally everywhere and not getting a really good following, really addressing people's feedback for your product or service, and then growing way too fast with not enough data. As we've talked about before, data is absolutely king, but making sure that you ask the right and the most provocative questions in order to get that, that get that data and make it accurate is imperative. So I would say number one would be attitude. Number two is mindset. And number three, I would say is thinking too small or thinking too big. Yeah. I think that that's such an interesting dynamic to think about the thinking too small versus thinking too big, right? Because Everywhere you turn, everybody says, stop playing small. You got to play a bigger game, right? And so now this thought of, I'm actually thinking too big. I really want to break that piece of it down because I think everybody gets the playing small. Like I know that I should be charging more. I know I should be going after that particular client. I should be putting my name in the ring for that. I know I should be spending more on marketing so that I get greater exposure and get in front of people who don't know who I am. Like they know they're playing small, but they're choosing to stay small because the fear of being big is just too much for them at this particular point in time. We got that. But let's talk about this thinking too big thing. Like how does that get me in trouble? Like, so I am thinking about, you said when we're talking about thinking too small, you said not thinking ahead to the next line of business, the next line of revenue. But let's say I am thinking there. I am already at the 5.0 version of my service, right? And being there while simultaneously being at the 1.0 version of my surgeon, like what are the implications of going and thinking too far out and too big that impacts where you are now and potentially minimizes your ability to get to the big thought that you have that's way out there as a construct? Okay. So let's take it one segment at a time. So the first thing I'll talk about is 
do you have enough data to build out your second or third or fourth? And I'll just say product or service, whatever it happens to be. And the reason why I start there, Darnielle, is because I really believe that you need to either fail, grow and succeed in order to get your next milestone of data. So I use a card. That's what I use for most of when I'm kind of explaining this to people. Okay. You have a low model or I should say an entry level model. You have a mid-level model and then you have the luxury or the highest end model. The luxury and highest end model comes with everything that was in the lower model and then more and then more and then more. Okay. How do you know what that and then more is unless you're addressing your service model right now and hitting it out of the park? That's good. And for how long have you hit it out of the park? You know, I can use so many different examples, but like there's, there's breakfast places. So let's talk about restaurants. There's well-known restaurants that are amazing breakfast places. And there's one restaurants that are just uh, amazing little lunch cafes, or, you know, it's on the water and the ambiance and the drinks and everything else. And then there's very well-known award-winning dinner places. Very seldom is they're all three in one. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is they've carved out a niche. They understand that this is their top chef for this, or they understand that this is their top chef for this. How are we doing that in our businesses? And this is so important because a lot of times people don't understand how to collect that data. What questions do they ask? How often do they ask the questions? If they're getting the reviews, what do those reviews actually mean? How do you create a focus group around those reviews? And then address your second point is what could happen So I hate to keep coming back to this truly, but everything can happen. Your platforms are maybe set up for, you know, 5,000 users and not 500,000 users. Would it be the same platform that services this number opposed to this number? What are the services? What are your email marketing? What are your target listings? How are you kind of divvying those? How are you connecting with these lifelong customers? How long do you want each customer to be a customer or a client? Is it a customer, which is usually a one or two time buy, or is it a lifelong client that you will service them and you will service, you know, their friends and their family and their children if you're really, really good and your content keeps evolving? That's so good. There's so many things that you said that I think were really, really good. And I want to pull back the layer on the importance of data, right? I think esoterically, everybody knows what we mean when we say data, but data is so much more than what your initial thought about it is. Every single thing is a data point that can be utilized to make a decision to move a business forward, right? I love the analogy that you used about cars and how the high-end car at the top of the line, like I drive a BMW X7, seven series of the SUV. It's amazing and plush. It's got all the things, right? And I used to have a three series and I used to have an X5. So I know about the varying levels. I think that was a perfect example about what's in each place. And the question you asked that I wanna make sure that those of you who are listening right now and taking notes are asking yourselves, right? I love the way you said it, Stephanie. You said, how can you be the top of the line if you haven't mastered the bottom of the line? And that's the Darnielle interpretation on what you said. But what I want to break down about that for those of you who are listening is your, yes, I want you to be thinking at the million dollar market, that's your goal. But no one goes to bed a blunder and wakes up a wonder. Everybody's on a journey to get there because what got you to six figures is not going to get you to seven. The data points change, the way you synthesize the data changes, what's included in the offers at the price points changes. Everything goes topsy-turvy. Like we're in the process right now of getting our company ready to do eight figures, right? We've mastered seven figures. We've been doing that like in our sleep with our hands closed. 
Now we're ready to, to go to the next level. We're having to break every system in our business in order to fix it for the next level, right? So that's dance of thinking too big and and looking at the data. And so I've got auditors in here auditing specific processes that we've been utilizing for the last 10 years to invalidate what hasn't worked and what won't work when we go to the next level. We're really using the data to be determinant of what we do and what we don't do, what we tweak, what we don't tweak, what we add in and what we don't add in based on what the data is telling us. And so I wanted to underscore that because I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs and small business owners working in your business, you don't take the time to work on your business and work and data is a on your business thing, right? You're taking the things that happened when you were in delivery or service delivery to your client. You're synthesizing that to help you to determine the next strategy, the next product line, the next service point that you're going to bring to the table. And far too many, and this is my experience, Stephanie, I don't know if it's yours because I know you work with business owners on the spectrum, right? But what I find is that most people are spending far too much time with their head down, being a minion in their company and not enough time with their head up being a visionary in their company. Would you agree? I completely agree. And not, not only do I not agree, Danielle, but even to expand on that a little bit, you can't go in the weeds to strategy, in the weeds to strategy, in the weeds to strategy. If that's the case, you become the average of that, which is just basically at the top level. You cannot, I'm not saying that there aren't times that you need to really, really get into the weeds. But again, it goes back to exactly what you said. It's that data collection point. And I take it, it's funny. So it's a layer and then another layer and then another layer. And then what data? Okay, what data are, should your business owners be collecting? What data should your clients be collecting? And then further, why is that the data? And so it's funny, sometimes I get in these conversations with these entrepreneurs and they really are stuck in a mindset. For example, I had a, a client, potential client, which we didn't actually end up taking last week. And she really was set on moving from five figures to six figures is the exact same as moving from six figures to seven figures and then seven figures to eight figures. And, and I was explaining to her that I've done this across the board globally. I've done this globally. It's nothing the same. Nothing is the same. Not one thing, not your team. I mean, you will have holes. You will be able to take really strong people with you. People will get dispersed, you know, into different growth positions, but there is nothing from a system, from a platform, from an audit perspective. There's not one thing that's the same. And truthfully, if there is something the same, then you're working way, way, way too hard. Again, working in your business and on your business. Yeah, I agree so much. And it's such an important thing to understand that the every, you know how we they say at every level, there's a new devil. <laughs> at every level, the data is different, right? What you need to be looking at in the data changes completely too. And I agree with you. I think that's one of the biggest blind spots that I myself see. You know, I'm in an initial conversation with a potential client and I'm asking questions that they can't answer. And not even the K, the KPIs that they should know, right? But just tell me about your idle client. What makes them tick? What are they most afraid of? What would they fight to protect? What are the beliefs that they're holding onto for dear life? And how can you use those beliefs to get them to see that they're not serving them? Like they're looking at me like the deer in the headlights in those moments. And I'm like, oh, baby, <laughs> you're not ready. Right. Yet, right? Well, we not only go that, back to Darnell, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. And not only that, Darnielle, they, they're like, if you're looking at them, if you're privileged enough to be looking at them, you can see them like they start shrinking. They start getting really, really nervous. And they're like, I mean, I hear this all the time. Steph, you ask that question? And I'm like, 
Yes. And, and many, many more that maybe some would deem inappropriate. Maybe some would deem, you know, intrusive, whatever it is. If I'm going to get you to a million dollars and beyond and 10% of our clients are at a million, they're all way beyond that. So you are at a block. You're going to hire me and pay me good money. And you're not going to let me be intrusive. We need to get this problem solved together. So you better be telling me everything you know and everything you don't know. This is what this is about is the data. And then the last thing I'll say about the data, Darnielle, is to your point, exactly. We did this. It's actually very non-well put together study that was kind of off the cuff. Okay. But I was actually in Sundance a few years ago and we were doing a keynote. We were doing an opening keynote. And I remember looking at how different speakers were being received. I thought, you know, I'm going to actually dive into this. And I did. I just created a very, very quick three, literally three question survey, really trying to get to one answer. Okay. And the question is, these executives are all making over $500,000 a year. They're all making $500,000 a year or more. Okay. What would you pay for a completely different, totally, totally different, um, 100% metrics driven coaching where your outcome was the number one factor? What would, what would be the lowest? And it was three to 5,000. Okay. Went all the way up to a hundred thousand plus. Do you know that the male dominated survey? So 50 men all around the U S and a couple other countries as well, their lowest that they would pay was 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. That was the lowest that they would pay for a metrics driven coaching for a year. Okay. The women, the same subset women ages 27 to 55, they would pay between three and $5,000. Wow. So having that data, amazing. It's also very sad. It's horrible. It was like, what education do we need to do for these lovely, beautiful women to get them to reinvest in who they are to so many people? So guess what? So I went back and I was like, okay, now that we have that data, let me ask one more question. One more question. Why would you, why would you pay this? And for the women, it was self-improvement, to be able to give back, to be able to be the leader that people expect for them to be. For men, it was status and recognition. And nobody could believe that I had asked those questions. They were like, Steph, aren't you nervous? I'm like, no, I'm nervous to not get the answers. That's what I'm nervous about. Right. Because now, I mean, you got so many great things you can use from that. You know, when you're marketing to the women, everything needs to be about self-improvement and what's going to make, allow them to be a better leader and community servant. And when you're marketing to the men, it's all about the prestige and the status. It could be the same exact offer, but marketed differently based on who your audience is at an amazing price point to get them to enroll. This is gold. Those of you who are listening right now, I want you to send Stephanie some love notes on social. (laughs) I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes for this show, listen, she just created for you an amazing way to be able to leverage the power of what your clients are telling you by looking at the data and then synthesizing that data and giving it back to them for your offer. And no, we weren't specifically talking about messaging and that particular impetus, but guess what? That is exactly what you need to do if you want to get traction instead of hearing crickets. If you want to hear cash registers instead of crickets, You have got to learn how to read the data. One of the things I do, Stephanie, is I give our clients, and we have two programs, and in our first program, Leverage and Scale Weekend, we give our clients a 15-page idle client worksheet. The only question we don't ask is what color underwear 
are your ideal clients? Like, are they wearing right now? Like, this is the only thing we don't ask. But we ask all of these various data points to do exactly what you just shared in this particular example, to be able to give them starting points in conversation that they can leverage in their copy and in their messaging to not only get the attention of the audience that they want to serve, but more importantly, get the conversion. Because they'll get that emotional tie-in that is absolutely necessary in order for there to be a conversion on the other side. So I think that that is such a powerful understanding and undertaking to realize the significance of the data, especially if you are a person who is used to thinking big. If you're 10, 20 steps out from where your business is at this moment, like we don't want to stifle your creativity and your visionary energy. But what we want to do is we want to back that visionary energy up with the data that's going to actually allow you to get there. Because if you don't take the time to get the data, not only will you not get there, but when you do get there, it will not, it'll be ill-gotten because you haven't done your due diligence, which means something might make it falter really, really fast. Well, so Danielle, I think you make such a great point. And to tie this back to what you were saying about crisis and about what are the things that can happen, I think you make a brilliant, brilliant point. Because just like you said, it really is the same. Like it really, really is. But how you market it and how you message it is different. So just imagine you spend all of this time and all of this money on, on marketing and, and nurturing and, and branding and, and making this perfect offer, okay? And then imagine you're like, oh, I have the data. I know it's for men and women alike. And I do the exact same messaging. And then your launch comes back a total bust. You then believe that you're a failure, it never is, oh gosh, I probably messaged this wrong because I know that this content is really good. You come back a failure. And instead of actually just asking those two or three key points, my God, I never, if I hadn't done this for so long, Darnielle, I never would have thought, you know, same age range, same kind of socioeconomic, same kind of education level, and then same kind of executive position and same pay rate. I never would have in a million years thought about how vastly different 500, I mean, I'm sorry, 50,000 to 100,000. And then three to 5,000, I would have never been able to put that together. So yeah. thinking about these clients that we're coaching on a daily or weekly basis, it would be, it would behoove us to not teach them how to ask better, more provocative data-driven questions in order to make them even more successful and teach them how to continue offering amazing, irresistible offers. Yeah. It's so important. And even as much as that, like I think about the women that are listening to the show right now in comparison to the men who are lowballing their personal development. They're negotiating with their greatness because they don't believe in themselves at a level to be worthy of someone who the investment is 50 to $100,000 a year. Because there is something to be said. Like I, I use cars as an example as well, right? Like technically a Kia and a Bentley are the same, technically, right? You get in both of them, you start them yep. up, they drive you to a destination. They have seats, they have seat belts, they have a steering yep. wheel, they have an engine. They're technically the same car, but the experience is different. The- How you even feel. Even the ride, is, I was, that's where I was going next. Yeah. How you feel yeah. about it is different. Yeah. The level of confidence that you exude, depending upon which of the vehicles you are in, is completely different. And so for the women- who have this desire to get to and beyond the million dollar mark or, or whatever the threshold might be that are negotiating with their greatness for a three to $5,000 offer when they really deserve and need that 50 to a hundred thousand dollar offer for everything that it does. It's not just about the, 
the, the money for the sake of the money. It's about what comes along with investing and playing at that level that you won't ever get to understand and explain if you stay in the three to $5,000 bucket because it stays safe, right? I just literally said this yesterday. Um, the, the fruit of life is out on the edge of the tree. The only way you can get it is if you branch out. There's no fruit on the stalk of the tree. So if you're in your comfort zone, you're not getting the best fruit. You're not getting what is waiting for you. And the same will be true in this particular example. And I think it's just what amazes me the most, Stephanie, is that they're all making a half a million dollars a year. So like right. you were just that, no, that was astounding. That was astounding to me. And Darnielle, back again, back to your point again, astounding. But you know, it's funny because our our lowest for for our company, our lowest offer is twenty five thousand dollars. That's our lowest offer. Yeah. And I remember when I very first started, I remember I was literally going, no, 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 you don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. And then I was like, you know what? I am not doing that anymore. Oh yeah. I was twenty two years old. I was a single mother with a brand new baby going through a divorce and I was paying him alimony. And I literally had $13,500 left on my credit card. That was it. He had maxed everything out. And I was like, well, I've done this alone for two or three years. And clearly I am, I'm working 80 hours a week. I'm not enjoying my baby. And I asked for a referral and I got a referral for a amazing business coach in Australia. And I remember, and this, okay, obviously I'm 48 years old. So this is a thousand million years ago. Okay. I was 22 years old. And I remember her saying, you can't afford me. And I remember saying, first of all, in my head, I was thinking, who the hell are you to tell me? Like I was frustrated. Okay. And then she's like, no, 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 Stephanie, I'm telling you, you can't afford me. And I remember her low end offer was $15,000. And I remember just looking, just looking at my credit card going, I have $13,000, And I remember her telling me that. And I said, I will make you a deal. I will be your very best student. You will never wait on homework. I will never be late to any meeting. I swear to God, I'm going to work harder than anybody that you've ever seen before. And I go, cause this is my last option and I have to make it work. And she said, I've never done this before. I will do it today. And I thought she was going to say, okay, how about 13,200 or 13,000, you know, 100 or just 13 that she's like, I'll take that 13,500. <laughs> and I will tell you right now, I didn't have an opportunity to fail. This was it. I had to show up and I had to be 200%. It was expected of me. Yeah. And I will say, Darnielle, I did that. I did that one with her for six months. And then I did her next one for 30. And I did her next one for 50. And I did her next one for 150. Because I was taught to not let myself down and invest in me because I was the only thing that was going to get me out of whatever it was in my head at that time. Absolutely. And that is such an amazing story and lesson to learn because it's so true. It's all in how we see ourselves, right? For those of us who see ourselves as the victim and this happened to us, because there's some other woman who's in the same scenario today. She just had a baby. She's going through a divorce and she's got to pay alimony. She's got $13,500 on her credit card, just like you did way back in the day. And her decision is, how am I going to feed my babies if I make this investment? Yeah. Right. So it's all you're totally right yourself. And if you're yeah. willing to bet on you, like I'm the same way, I am too dumb to doubt that I yep. cannot do it. I will go, I will pay the money. I will do the thing. I will be, I, I mean, I've never had that specific situation, but I'm like, if I'm going to spend the money, cause I don't have any money to waste. And I have a lot of money these days. 
but I still don't have any that I can just waste. Every dime has a purpose and I need that purpose to be absolutely clear. And so if I'm going to make the investment in myself, yeah, I'm going to show up fully. I'm going to get exactly what I came for, plus the things you didn't think I was supposed to get. And I'm going to leverage all the exactly that. Right. Turn it around, yes. <laughs> turn it into something amazing. Like it's just, yes. but it, it's because of the way that I see myself. It's because of the way that you see yourself, right? That always betting on you versus betting on the victimization of what it is you're going through. There's always going to be something. We're all always going through something. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's not always ponies and, and butterflies. Like sometimes it's a torrential downpour and there are no umbrellas in sight and you have to go so you get soaking wet. And if you're me, your hair curls up like Esther Roll, like it's just <laughs> part of the process, right? And you do it anyway, because you know on the other side, it's gonna make you better. Like I even think about my filing bankruptcy, which at the time it was like the end of the world for me. Like, oh my gosh, my life is over. They're going to put my name in the paper and they're going to blacklist me and all the things. And it was none of those things. It was simultaneously the best thing that ever happened to me because now I have financial literacy. Now I know what money is. I'm about building wealth and I'm making sure that whatever I do, I'm doing it through the lens of my ability to be able to leverage this to get me to where it is that I want to go. As opposed to before where I was just, you know, I I still remember when I was in college and one of my friends at the time getting my very first credit card at like 18. It's like, it's layaway. You get to take home. (laughs) Listen, I was born in a project. I know all about layaway. And I'm like, oh, no, I mean, you know what, Darnielle, that's I mean, so you know what? You're exactly so. So me, too. Like, so you know what? I was not born in the projects. But my father drowned when I was three years old. My mom had nothing. She worked her butt off with two jobs. Every one of our clothes, we bought our clothes on layaway the second school got out to be able to have those clothes when school started. And by the way, just so you know, they were not clothes. I was teased and I was all of those different things. So you're completely right. That layaway was massive for my family. And even it, it created my mindset that, um, number one, that credit card debt was okay and that you could just do this because you deserve to have it and all of these crazy right. things. To your point, people don't really truly understand what building wealth really means. Yeah. What is wealth? And so I just think what you're doing around every one of those subjects is so amazing. Yeah, it's it's so, so very important because we've all been through something. We all have a story. We all have limiting beliefs in the back of our mind that are threatening to keep us from whatever it is we say we want. We're all willing. We all, I mean, I literally just did it earlier this year, right? I mean, I'm at the, I'm standing at the crossroad. I have a decision to make and I'm like, uh, am I going to pay this money or am I not, right? Like it's, it's always a thing. But what I came to realize And I think it's so important that everybody realize is that money is just an energy and it is available whenever you want it to be available if you learn how to tap into the power of seeing it for what it is. So many people make money their God, they make it more important than it needs to be. And as a result, they just, they can't ever get an amazing handle on it. But it really is the best resource and tool ever once you understand that. And you can always, like thinking about you, giving your last 13.5 to make that investment. You didn't talk about that, but with that 13.5 in six months, what did you create? You remember? Oh, for sure. I mean, what I created was, you know, I wasn't anywhere near trying to be an entrepreneur at all because I was, I was just so young. And 
I, I didn't have any any great role models. My family, I'm first generation here on both sides. So I was really supposed to get married, stay married, have a lot of kids. And that's really what I was supposed to do. What I did was I changed my entire perception about myself. Mm-hmm. I changed who I was to the world. I changed believing in me and coming across with empathy and with connection and with being devoted to the truest version of myself. And for that, that was hard because there were so much, so many expectations put on me from such a young age that what I did was I interviewed differently. I showed up differently. My attitude changed. My mindset changed. The way that I connected with people changed. My beliefs about myself and what I needed, you know, air quotes, what I needed to do completely changed. So what I did was I secured a $180,000 job, you know, And by the way, one of the things we didn't touch on, Darnielle, that I would love for you to touch on is you're right. Money is there to have. But right now with the freedom and and kind of all of the the different, you know, again, air quotes, coaches that are out there, there are quite a bit of scandals. Mm -hmm. And so people a lot of times believe in the get rich quick and Mm -hmm. they believe that they can share information or they believe they can show up and create this side hustle and it doesn't have to be true and authentic. Money is not made for those people. You will be caught. You, things will not go well for you. Yeah, and absolutely. so for me, when, when I showed up for this job, I showed up going, I have a baby to feed. I don't want to be strapped for money. I don't want to you know, not be able to invest in other people. I don't want to be able to not help other people. So I showed up at my fullest, but with true authenticity and with true kind of devotion to who I was as a person and as God being first for me and for my child. So yeah. it really was a mindset and an attitude thing. Yeah, but even still, just to make it about the numbers and not to diminish the journey and everything that you got from it, because I think all of that stuff is very important. But a 13-5 investment produced $180,000. Right. And from there, Danielle, only up. Yeah. So up and up and up and up. It never, ever went lower than that. You know, thank God it never did. But I continued to invest in myself and learning and pushing myself further because I was the best investment. Absolutely. And every single one of you who are listening right now, you're the best investment and you have to see it as such, right? Investments yield a return. If you can't track a return to any investment that you've made, there's a problem. Now, purchases don't yield a return. They collect us. They get, they sit over in the corner, right? I've got a closet full of high-end shoes that for more than a year, I haven't even worn because I've been in my home with socks on my feet. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Can't get anything back from any of those shoes, but I've never invested a dollar in my own development that I didn't 10 or 20 X. I've never invested one. And so it's important that you- Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said initially, Stephanie, that it starts with your attitude, right? Like your attitude about how you see yourself, how you see the world, and then your mindset about what are the things you can control versus the things that you can't. And then leveraging that to not think too small. And if you are thinking big, make sure that you've got all of the data in place to support the big thinking so that you don't find yourself way out there on a limb with nothing to catch you. And that's what data is going to be. Kind of bring it back home. That's what data is going to be for you. It's going to be your ability to be able to leverage what you're learning into tools and resources to continue to take you to the next level. This has been such an amazing conversation, just like I knew that it would be. There are a few things that you shared in your story that you kind of shared, just kind of like, oops, let me just drop this in there. But I (laughs) I do want, I want to allow you the opportunity just to pull on your own story and some of the adversity that you've experienced and that you've come come out of as a part of this journey of 
not only having your own multi-million dollar companies, but also helping other people to be able to show up at that level because of this desire in you to see more people experience wealth because of the things that you've been through. So is there anything else from your journey, from your story that stands out that's been a great stepping stone for you instead of, because I don't believe in setbacks. I only believe in stepping stones, right? So has there been anything else that happened on your journey that was a tremendous defining moment or stepping stone for you that helped you to get to where you are today? Yeah. I mean, Danielle, I think you said it best, you know, at the very beginning when you were talking and you were saying, you know, everybody has a story. I think the biggest thing for me that I had to kind of overcome was actually just being honest and sharing the story. So I was always so embarrassed that my mom had severe, severe mental illness, you know, very, very quickly. My father drowned when I was three. My mom had a severe nervous breakdown and she never recovered. I had a younger brother and, and, you know, there's been, there's been challenges all along the way with him. And and even now to this day, there's been significant challenges with him. I lost my stepbrother who was like a father figure. I lost him very, very quickly from a pulmonary embolism. Mm. Um, My best friend died of breast cancer that had metastasized. Uh, I was working for a company as a director and it was a, it was a global firm and, you know, I had retirement and 401k and I really felt like I was doing, you know, kind of checking all those little boxes that we talk about. And then the company went completely belly up with absolutely zero notice. So, I mean, I could talk about this all day long. My, my ex-husband for many, many, many years ago filed bankruptcy and, and thank goodness I was able to actually get it removed, but he filed bankruptcy after we were divorced on $5,000 and included my name. Yeah. And it took, you know, $25,000 to get it off and to say, you know, gosh, here's the divorce papers and, you know, kind of everything else. So I, I really do think every single person has their story, but instead of it being a defining attitude or a mindset for you, kind of take a step back and go, what did I learn? And why was I supposed to go through this? And how many people might actually be able to impact help or just maybe not even help, but maybe be a sounding board to and, and kind of listen and maybe offer some nuggets of wisdom with no judgment. I mean, you wouldn't believe, and actually you would believe Danielle, you really wouldn't believe the things that people call me and tell me. And I'm just like, okay, let's take this, you know, little by little. And from all aspects of crisis, I mean, you're right. You know, that the scandal thing has, has definitely, you know, Olivia Pope, I've heard more than, you know, 10 <laughs> times and Ray Donovan and Flack and, you know, everything else, because, you know, that's our job is, you know, to, to get it and to kill it and to make sure that you guys have the best legal representation and et cetera, et cetera. But really everybody has a story. And if you're being off you know, being truly authentic about what this is and not being disingenuous you really will have so many people around to support you and help you, but you have to help yourself first above anything else. Absolutely. I totally 250% approve all of that message because I think I really only wanted you. And I know, you know, we had talked about some of your background before. I really only wanted you to share it just to be like, and what's your excuse? <laughs> like, right. like, we all have been through some stuff. We all have right. those jaws on the floor moments when we're recounting our story that everybody else around us is like, and you just keep going and going and going. Yeah, and so what? Exactly. And so what? If it didn't kill you, it's designed for you to get the data from it. I love that you pulled that in and talked about, you know, what did I learn? What was I supposed to learn from going through this? The data from whatever the the adverse moment is to be able to leverage that, to pivot, to change the story, change the outcome and prevent it from ever happening again. I think like when I think about like my bankruptcy as an example, like I learned about money. I was like, I need to know 
about money because I'm never doing this again. This is not going right. to my bailout plan or whatever the case might be. This was a one hit wonder and that is it. It's never to be heard of again. And so I'm going to study to show myself approved that what I'm doing now as it pertains to money is actually going to create legacy and wealth so that no one who comes after me in my line is going to have to ever worry about what I did or have to pick up the pieces from behind me. Like I remember you know, with my parents, we ended up taking out, I had policies on both of them just because I'm not coming out of my pocket to put them in the ground. So I'm like, you know what, just to be on the safe side, let me get these yeah. policies just in case something goes awry so that we don't have any problems when the time comes. But it's just like, and yeah. I would have never known to do that had I not gone through some of the things and found that data that was associated with it, what I, which I think is just so, so very amazing. I hate that we have to get ready and go. But like before, I have a few questions I always ask to round out the interview. But before I do that, is there anything else you'd like to share? No, I just really, really appreciate you reaching out and allowing us to have this conversation. And I hope, you know, if it even impacts one person, I just hope that we've been able to serve them well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. So before we end every interview, I always like to ask my three quick questions. And the first one is what is the last book you read? Ray Dalio Principles. Awesome. And we'll find the link for that. And then what is a quote that you live by? Oh gosh, that I live by. You know, I'm gonna give you a very, very simple one. We have quotes everywhere, but this is the simple one is really do unto others as you would like done unto yourself. I know it's very simple. I know it's cliche. I know it's been overrun a lot, but I think if you really truly take the essence of that and think about how you come across and how you made such a great point earlier, it's only going to be our soft skills that sets us apart moving forward. It's only going to be our connection and the way that we deal with people, our human skills so I really think if you take that one quote to heart and you do unto others as you want done unto yourself, I think that's the model of life for every single age, every single title, every single geography. I just think it says it, it encompasses everything. Such a, so good. And, and I mean, it's called the golden rule for a reason. So I think that that definitely makes sense. And then my last question, Stephanie, is what is one tool that you swear by as you continue making the move to and beyond millions for yourself and for your clients? Just one, huh? Just. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just one. I would say perfect your provocative questions. Ooh. Don't ask standard questions. And then, you know, I know you said one, but conversely, mm-hmm. just listen. If you're going to ask the question, if you're taking the time out to ask that person the question, stop what you're doing and look at them, engage with their eyes and connect with them and listen to what they have to say. Perfecting provocative questions will get you the absolute best, most sincere data to either have a true authentic friendship or a relationship for business. I love it. This has been so great, Stephanie. I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen. I know that people are going to be truly enriched. And so we'll make sure we put all of your contact information in the show notes so that anyone who wants to love on you has the ability to reach out to you and do so. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and hang out with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate you very much. I told you that was going to be a powerful conversation. I am sure that you are probably standing up in the chair on top of your desk because you feel like you could literally scale a mountain right now. That's how powerful our conversation was between Stephanie and I. If you enjoyed our conversation and you want to connect with her directly, you'll want to make sure you check out the show notes. 
because that is where we'll put all of her contact and details so that you can touch base with her and her team. There are so many things I loved about this conversation with Stephanie. I was supposed to be taking notes, right? But I was so engrossed in every word that was proceeding out of her mouth that I only wrote a few things down, but there are a few things that she said that I wanted to just underscore for you now. Number one, you are the first person who needs crisis management. I love that. Like thinking about yourself, thinking about your business and the impetus thereof is so important. And making sure that you bet on you. We talked a lot about how she bet on herself. Remember that story about taking her last $13,500, investing it in a coach and turning it into a $180,000 salary job? Like, listen, it's always about betting on yourself. I loved when she shared about data and how we can use data to determine where we should be going next as we continue to up-level our business. And she said a couple of other things that were really powerful. One of them being, you can't go from being in the weeds to working on the strategy. A lot of us spend too much time with our heads down as minions, as I said, and not enough time with our heads up as visionaries. And so we have to make sure that we spend a little bit more time. And then the last nugget I want to leave for you, just in case you missed it, was once you've gone through something adverse, to actually ask yourself in the pursuit of data, why, what was I supposed to learn by going through this? Here's one thing I know. Your move to millions is going to be filled with highs and lows. It's just what it is. How you manage the data that comes out of those lows is going to determine how high your highs are going to be. It is my desire for you to have highs that are so high that this move to millions shakes the planet. I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions quick start guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care.